G'day, and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark, and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away, or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel, The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos, along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. Good evening, gents. Hey, John. Good. Hey, buddy. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, doing really well, thank you. Really getting excited for this weekend. In we've got a uh, a trip <coughs> trip planned. So, Very excited. Uh, leaving Thursday, coming back Sunday. A couple of days on private land this time, making a, a change for us. Um, yeah. Well, for you anyway, should I say? Um, so yeah, we're heading to New South Wales. It's going to be cold, hopefully. Some good deer. We had a look at the uh, at the map today. It looks like a good piece of ground, so I'm it, very excited. It's quite unique, isn't it? Like mm. I, I rang Jono all excited because I scouted this piece of land out, and it's like a normally you think, oh, you know, you got your land, and then you got you know big ridges to climb and things like that. This is a plateau, oh. and every and every all right around it, it drops off to the creek all the way around. So oh, it's this wow. plateau, like an island in the middle, mm. um, and it's pretty undulated and it's got clearings and, and what have you, but good feeder gullies that come up to land. It looks perfect. That does look good. Really good forward to it. <clears throat> well, I'm not yeah. excited for you, so I have to admit <laughs> no. it. So. Well, you can sit back and watch the fun because no, we're going to do something a little bit different this time, aren't we? Yes, I think I'm sure can. I can do that. I might yeah. so, um, enjoy it, but I can do it. We'll be risky here. We'll be risky and we'll, we'll, we'll tell the world what we're doing in a, in a recorded podcast and hopefully it all comes off. Otherwise, yeah. we'll have we'll some editing edit to do. if it doesn't. That's it. So a... the, goal, the goal for the weekend is that uh, Jono's pairing up uh, with a fellow by the name of Rowan and I'm pairing up with a fellow by the name of John and we are uh, going to run a bit of a side bit let's call it a side bit, where um, uh, this piece of land has got deer, goats, and pigs on it. So we're going to run a mini slam, and we're going to peer off two different teams, and we're going to see who can get the, the trifecta over the weekend. Hopefully it'll be the trifecta for each person in the team, but we'll start with a, a trifecta for each team and see how we go. But we'll keep everyone updated as we go, and it should be a hell of a lot of fun, I reckon. What do you reckon? Mm, I think it's going to be great fun. Looking forward to it. Yeah, as long as the uh, as long as the cold isn't too bad, but I guess we'll get over it. Uh, been preparing for the cold. We've got what have we got? We've got a shearing shed to stay in. Mm-hmm. We've already wrangled an old you know um, patio gas heater to sit in the middle of it, so we can all sit underneath <laughs> it and toast our marshmallows. And uh, um, it was my wedding anniversary on the weekend, and my wife bought me a uh, electric like throw over blanket so i'm going to be the sook there with my ugg boots and my plug-in blanket because we've got Did you power get the 12 volt 12 volt one or 24 no it's not got power in the shed it's got power in the shed no, so, be, so yeah there's a shed there with power so um just imagine there'll be three people or four people show up with electric blankets and we'll flip the fuse and we'll all be cold and we'll all well, be fighting over who's not allowed mine's 12 volt so i'm not going to be drawing your power i'll be using my own i'm taking my battery um well i've got a t- 12 volt uh electric blanket 
So that's going to be around me and then in my tent, in my swag, keeping me nice it's and soaky, isn't it? Oh, really? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big tough hunters. <laughs> yeah, big tough hunters. Yeah, well, like, leaving the camper at home, there'd be no fireplace, so unless you blanket it is. Yeah, no fire. You guys, I suppose you could cut one in the shearing shed floor. Oh, yeah, I'm not land. sure. That lanolin will burn really nicely. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure the farmer would be too happy with that. But anyway, that's exciting. We can't wait mm. to get out there mm. um, four or three really days, three days of hunting, and uh, should be good fun. Okay. So I suppose that brings us to the um, the point of this evening is talking about the deer season. And when we mean mm. deer season, we mean the red deer roar and fellow deer rut for 2023. Um, we all had a different season, um, and so we thought we'd discuss that with everyone and see what we learnt and see how we went. And I was thinking about how we're going to see the order we're going to start with, and what I thought is that we should do rock, paper, scissors. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. okay. <clears throat> so what is the winner? The, the so winner goes first or the winner? Someone's going to lose now and then we're going to uh, and then we're going to have a, you know, then then we'll have down to two and then we'll go to one. So That's how it works. Let's go. Unless, of course, yeah, we'll see how we go. All right. One, two, three. All right. Okay, so I'm br- out. Mark's uh, out. John's out. John's out. Okay, so Ian, you win, and so this one is between me and John. So you go. So so you're a winner. Yeah, you ready? One. One. Two. Two. Three. Three. You win. Uh, Yeah, you win. Okay, Ian, me, John. It kind of doesn't work with lag, does it? No, No, pretend there's lag and you just throw (laughs) a winning winning rock up. Yeah. All right, let's go. Let's go. What do you want to know? So tell us how you win. Had a blast. Had a blast. So I, 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 um, I very rarely get involved with the Queensland Red Deer Rut, and this year was no different. Raw, I should say. Um, I tend to focus most of my attention on uh, fallow, and for the last probably five or six years, if not longer, I've been heading down to Nundal. So we've we've um, we've thrown a lot of videos up. We've had a lot of conversation about our hunt camp. So I hosted the hunt camp down there and we had 20 to 25 odd people come in. Um, mm-hmm. Some were pre-booked, some just drop-ins. Uh, it was great. We met people on the roads that knew who we were. We had people just come into camp to have a yarn. Um, it was just such a good social time with, with good quality people coming into camp. So had a great time. Um, personally, for me, I had my spots all mapped out. I knew exactly where I was going. I'd pre-scouted. I had a trail cam that I'd left in one of the gullies that I was looking to go and recover. Um, funnily enough, that camera um, from Anaconda, hundred bucks, if you remember, um, was live and functioning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a stack of them now. Yeah. Um, was live and functioning twelve months later, mm. and it had four thousand four hundred sixty odd photos on it, and <laughs> loads and loads of deer. Um, incredible and. What really amazed me was um, there was only one other human other than myself setting it up that showed up on that camera. So no one went down in that gully. Uh, and that human was sent there by me to find my camera and re- recover it. And uh, he said he didn't see it, but I've got the photo. If I remember, I'll put it up here somewhere. <laughs> and he's like this at my camera. Um, but he didn't see it, which was hilarious. But like, it was really good. So, and I say to her, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deer on the camera. But if you go back and look at them all, 
it's the same group of deer, mm. uh, a mixture of fallow and red. Um, so we got some some nice reds, and we we saw um, a number of animals as they grew over the year, the yearlings. So they got bigger and bigger. They were still hanging out with the same mum. The same groups came back and forwards. The same bucks came back and forwards. But it was just great to see them. It went from you know high temperatures down, and then we got pictures with snow, and then the animals just kept coming through. So it was a it was a highway, really, for animals. And that's where I was going to focus my hunt. Um, but sadly, when I got there, the place was pretty well covered with other hunters, and oh, okay. I, I had to change my plans. I went down and collected my my camera, had a look at it, got pretty excited. But every time I went back there, it was it was um, yeah, it was pretty well being hunted. So oh, I left wow. it alone. And, yeah, a bit of a shame, but I think um, I say this to a lot of people: if it's if it's got close access to roads, it's going to get hunted mm. more than the other stuff. Um, it's you know it's close access to road. It's close access to farmland. It's close access to water. Like it's a very good area, uh, and it's quite well known for um, the volumes of deer that run through it. So it's sort of in the in the whole area, not just the basin that I was in. Uh, but I had to abandon it pretty much and uh, go and find somewhere else. So I did that on the second or third day, and that day I I basically walked out of camp and down the back. I walked about four k's off the track and down the back and uh, I managed to find this beautiful habitat that I put another trail cam in and eventually went back to get that trail cam six weeks later with, you know, we've got spikers, I've got, uh, you know, more mature stags, uh, more pigs, more more, more does. Um, and it was funny, I was looking at the, the picture of one of the spikers and then sort of just 100 metres over the left there he was in a pile of, guts and skin someone had managed to take him but um you know he was hanging around but it was good it's it's always good to be able to think you've pieced together the habitat puzzle and then leave a camera and then prove it to yourself that you got that right i think that was a really good thing um and just after i set that camera up a spiker popped up in front of me and uh, missy winded it and i was able to shoot that and take it back to camp so that was a really good a really good start to the hunt season um, for me down there. I, I did want to chase bucks, but I was under no illusions that after I'd lost my spot that, you know, trying to scout out new ground during the rut was really the wrong time to be doing it. Um, and I was happy to take a meat deer that Missy had pointed out, so that worked out pretty well. And uh, we just threw another video up tonight of hunt camp, and on that I knocked another um, young young spiker over, and uh, that was another, you know, another one for the for the freezer and a good one to be able to take back into camp and show people how to butcher up and, and do those sorts of things. So that's what Hunt Camp's all about. Uh, two animals for the week for me. Um, I saw lots of other animals, uh, but, you know, two was enough. And a lot of those were on the on the hop. I'm really trying to um, be choosy about what animals I take now mm -hmm. and, and be a little bit more focused on things that aren't running away from me and, you know, catching up with them before they know I'm in the area. So... It was great. It's a great camp. And other guys in camp, how successful were they? Yeah, really good. So, um, again, on the video that we just threw up, Dave, who came last year, Dave came with a bow uh, last year, and we gave him, you know, what I call a bit of a success criteria uh, for hunting that area, and that criteria is no harder than um, find a creek, um, go down to that creek and then come up, a, you know, a terrace level, 
if you're in the eucalypt, which you should be because they don't plant pine trees in the creeks. They plant them mm. a couple hundred metres back off the creek line. I, I'm assuming that's um, that riparian zone. They don't want to... They don't want to have uh, pine seeds dropping in the in the waterways and just spreading everywhere. So they they sort of boundary those off. Um, but I sort of say to everyone, you know, find the creek, find something that looks, you know, dairy. Uh, go down to that creek, come up a terrace level, and just walk along that terrace level until you start to find scrapes, rubs on trees, things like that. Once you find those rubs on trees, find a scrape. If you can't find any there, go up one more terrace level. Those two terrace levels usually produce scrapes if there's habitat. You usually know there's, there's, there's deer in the area first by, by the rub trees. Um, easy to identify because it's usually a spindly tree. Not like a red. They take on big trees. Fellow don't like to lose fights, so they take on the small ones. And um, you'll often see all the dead leaf litter around the base of it. It's a really easy way to pick out a rub tree. So once you've found those, you know you're in an area, a couple of terrace levels off the creek you'll find a scrape, keep following that contour, you'll probably find three or four more scrapes. Once you've got that, you need to find your easy access in or out. Once you've found your easy access in or out, or you know the place that you think it might be, chop those you know saplings and trees out of your way and make yourself a path to an area that you can sit and look at those scrapes. And that was really the, the, the theory or the formula that I gave to the new hunters. So they weren't just you know wandering around in the bush trying to hope something jumped out that they could shoot. Um, this way it gave them the time to sit and watch and, and see things happen. Now, poor old Dave um, sat over those scrapes that he found. He came back on the first day. Is this a scrape? Showed me the phone. Yeah, that's a beautiful scrape. You've done exactly what we wanted you to do and you found it. And he spent the next four or five days going back to that spot and sitting in there, sun up, come back at 10 o'clock, go back again for the afternoon sit. And he saw plenty of animals come into those scrapes over that time. Mm. Um, but with a bow... He lucked out because they were all just out of his comfort range. Uh, and, you know, good on him for not pop-shotting them. That's that's exactly what he should be doing. Um, this year he came back with his rifle and um, on his very first session went back to, his back to his spot, back to his scrapes and shot a deer and brought it back into camp. And it was just the, the most awesome thing. Um, he shot his first deer, you know, we helped him butcher it up. It was, it was just such a great experience for him and everyone else that was in camp. So there was a there was a deer in camp on the very first day and it set the tone for the whole week. Um, another fella, Dan, came in. The next day he shot a spiker. That was the same day I shot one. There was a monster pig, got shot by Kent. Uh, Trevor Tan, who was with us, he shot a couple. Um, so we had animals coming in most days. And, you know, it's, you know, a few things to Yahoo about and congratulate people. And it was just a, just a cracking time. So did you um, hunt Nundal or Hanging Rock or Tugla? Where were you? I hunted Hanging Rock. Okay. I had I had both of them booked, but we had so many people wanting to come to the camp, I ended up cancelling one and I just hung on to Hanging Rock. Um, that's where I had um, a particular focus area that I wanted to go to. Um, and, yeah, I just had to adjust that on the fly and ended up in a different part of Hanging Rock. It's mm -hmm. been carved up. Um, by forestry workers there's not a lot of country left there to hunt a couple of main areas but that's about it so um yeah, but that was all right i was happy to do it and there's still plenty of animals coming in and out um coincidentally there was a double six sitting over the back of our camp that was spotted on the first day by dan a few of us saw it under lights in the car coming back and forward so he was active up the back of camp pretty handy buck up there as well so mm -hmm. yeah there was there's plenty going on i think uh, 
I'm I'm quite comfortable in saying there are the most animals getting around in there that I've ever seen in the time that I've been going there. It's pretty healthy right now. Well, we were we were there last year, and there weren't many about twelve months ago. No, it was tough going. Yeah, mm. that camp, no one brought one back in. Yeah, um, I managed to shoot one and not recover it. Mm. And I know it was close, but uh, in my my brain, I know exactly what happened. Now, twelve months later, of thinking about it over and over and over again. But uh, no, this, this year was completely different. Lots of sightings, lots of animals jumping across roads. Yeah, healthy. Mm. 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 Yeah, and I and I, I I think we'll have at least another good healthy year before the season starts turning. There's so much groundwater and pick around, so I think next yeah. year should be good as well. Mm. I don't I don't think the numbers will necessarily dwindle as no. the drought comes on. I, I'm pretty sure it was forest fire that really killed it. Yeah. You know, a lot of the animals got pushed into new habitat, places that people knew were good were no longer good. Um, one tip that I will give people, though, it's pretty easy to go to places like that. It, uh, everyone that I talk to that rings and says, hey, can you give, give us a, a leg up? Can you can you help us find the right places to go? It's the first time I'm going to hang in Rock or Nundal, and I'd like a bit of advice. Um, you know, you sit down with these guys and you pull the maps up and I get them to show me where they think they want to go. And it's pretty uh, easy to pick where most people want to go. It's farm fringe country, mm. Mm. right? You know, there's a honey pot there and the deer are transient. They, they're going in and out of the farmland every day and you're trying to catch them moving. Um, this year I focused quite a lot deeper into the forest where the deer weren't transient. They weren't heading onto farmland. Where they, where they were living is where they were eating. They had everything they had in in their little square kilometre range. Uh, and I found the deer a lot easier to hunt in, in that area. So, you know, get off the track, go in three or four kilometres, find the habitat with the creeks and the rub trees and the scrapes. And you're not catching deer walking a long yeah. way out to farmland mm-hmm. and back. You're actually catching them getting up and eating around where they're bedding. Uh, and I just found more animals, calmer animals, It'd be a lot you more know, relaxed. Way less flighty because people don't take the time and effort to go that that much further in. And I'm mm. not saying that you've got to walk that far. You know, a lot of these tracks can get you a lot deeper into the forest, but I think the majority, you know, 80 plus percent of people focus on the farm fringe land and yep. it's made all the animals very skittish. So don't mm. be scared to go further in. They're in there. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, if you, you, you know, you're dead right. There is, there is uh, obviously a draw card through farmland, but you know an animal that's five kilometres away is not going to travel five kilometres to farmland. It's no. if it's if it if it's able to if if it's five kilometres away, then there's a reason why it is five kilometres away. Yeah. So it's got a habitat that it's it's completely sustainable habitat where it is. Not everything has to transient to you know this kind of mecca of where all the food supposedly is right. and you and and, I, and I, you know farmland's not productive all year round either, either anyway so mm. so um, and you find all along those creek lines there's beds of clover you know mm-hmm. good shoots of grass you know it's a pretty healthy habitat yeah. uh, i liken it to the sheep that i've got up on the farm you know they're happy enough to go out there and graze all day and they sit out there and graze all day but if you change their their access to food you bring hay into a pen every night, every night they will be waiting at the pen mm. ready for their hay. 
Mm. And these deer are, I think, are no different. They're waiting to go and eat something a bit more nutritious. Yeah. Because it's available to them. Yeah, again, don't be scared. Get into the middle of it. And I think you'll find areas that are um, very huntable and have, have good numbers of animals. Yeah. Certainly looking forward because we're, oh, what are we doing, June? I'm down there in basically four weeks. I'll be down there with the boy. And so I take my son and I'm taking a non-hunter with me. So I expect that I might not be all that productive over those five days, but we're going we're gonna to cover some Ks and see some things. You did it right last year. Yeah, I did. Yeah, did really I, well. I, well, I'm kind of doubling my um, – I'm doubling it though because I'm take, I've had the boy and – and another guy who's non non hunter, so I'm I'm kind of dub. I'll, I'll be leading two in there, so well, there's a challenge. That's it. <laughs> we'll pee. There yep. will be a challenge. Yeah. Um, speaking of challenges, um, we'll just call this one out now because it's it's had a little bit of attention, and that is uh, the change to where you can camp mm. in these parks. Mm. So whilst we were there, we had a visit from the rangers. Top fellas can't remember their names names for the life of me. I wish I could. Um, but the, the two rangers that look after the era came in and, and had a chat to us and pointed out that um, if you are not booked in Hanging Rock, you can't, as a hunter, stay at Ponderosa. You must camp where you're hunting. You know, and you've got a yeah. day either side of that to play with. Um, so I went back uh, six weeks after the rut trip because that's the second cycle of the deer. It's usually four weeks, but it was just based on the timing, we worked out it be about six weeks the deer were coming back in. Um, so we went back to try and catch up with a couple of bucks, managed to take another meat animal. It was a bloody fabulous hunt. I really enjoyed it. Um, and we posted that trip video up as well, so go and have a look at that one. But um, what we found was, oh, because we were hunting Nundle, we had to find a completely new camp. Um, mm. And that's just something that people aren't aware of. Uh, and, you know, if you think that they're not going to catch up with you, just remember that you've booked it. They know you're in the area. They know your number plates. They know your names. They're probably going to try a camera. You know these guys come around. They got they got cameras on their on their on their um, on their chest rigs, just like the police do. Um, you know, I'm under no illusions that you know when I hand them my my license for them to check, and they're standing in front of me with their camera on. They've now got my face, my name. They know who I am. Mm. Like they're able to match this stuff up. Just do the right thing. Just you know, the rules are the rules. It's inconvenient, but it is what it is. And what? Well, basically, the rule is, if you have a firearm, because that's what that's the specifics here, isn't it? If you're hunting, i.e., you have a firearm or a bow, you have you can you can only stay in camp in the park or the the forest that you have a permit to be in. Right. So right. If you're, and if you're a non-hunter, you can camp wherever you want. But what they're saying is. And so, with with to explain that for people who are listening, Nundal, when we say Nundal, is actually a series of forests or parks. Nundal being the the biggest, I sh- mm. assume, it which is, carries yeah. twenty five hunters. Um, Hanging Rock only carries five. The uh, probably the nicest camping ground in the whole area is technically in Hanging Rock. So technically, only five hunters can stay at Hanging Rock. Or Ponderosa, as it's known, um, and that's and though for time memorial, whenever you've hunted the Nundal system, that's kind of where you went. No matter if you were hunting Tugla or Nundal or uh, Hanging Rock, you gravitated to the very good, well, the nice facilities and the nice campground at mm. Ponderosa. 
However, the rangers have said, really, you've got to be, you only can stay where you have a permit to hunt. Hmm. So that, that's a challenge. Um, and, no, it's, look, it, it's a challenge, but it's not a, a you know, insurmountable challenge. There's a hell of a lot of dirt there to find, and it's not in dirt. There's a hell of a lot of nice green grass on very red volcanic soil to find a, find a campground on, but you can't, you have to stay in the, uh, the, 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 one of the parks that you have a permit to hunt in. Yeah, and I had a fair debate with the ranger when he came in, um, you know, politely. You know, it's like, well, you know, if I'm a hunter and I'm travelling around the country, I'm allowed to stop in my car with my weapons secure at campgrounds around the country, free camping. You know, you're allowed to do that. Um, you know, why is this different? Um, you know, Ponderosa Park is actually a public campground. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm actually in a public campground uh, that's actually zoned off from Hanging Rock. It's an exclusion zone, so am I in it or am I not in it? You know, it borders Nundal as well. Like I had a you know a reasonable debate, and he didn't know the answers to all these questions either. But to his credit, he came back to us and he said, "Well, what you said would be right, except for this ground is leased by forestry, and there's a mm. forestry maintained campground. It's not a public campground like you would see on the side of the road. It's actually different. It's a forestry maintained site, and you can tell that because you know that one of the forestry workers was in there." pressure cleaning out all the toilets before the Easter crowd yep. showed up and all of those sorts of things. So, you know, you know, fair enough. That's, that's the way it is. Um, so we're talking about trying to make an exemption, but, um, you know, there's plenty of other parks that have borders, you know, Margol, South mm. and North, you know, if they change the rule for one, they'll have to change it for either. So mm. what they, what they've probably done though, and I had a bit of a chuckle to myself, because um, when I went back six weeks ago, um, the Rangers were trying to catch up with everybody. But of course, we're all scattered. Like yeah. before, they could come into one spot and check us all out. Now they've, they've actively got to go and see. Yeah, it's actually interesting. You would, you would thought that in a way it would be actually better. Like a you know like a especially on a thing like a rut where it is fully booked to say guys, all of you stay in this one position so we know where you are type thing. Yeah. If people went yeah. missing or anything like that. We can we can know what to do. But I, yeah, you can see what's going on. And I think that's an important point too that the fact that it's not a it's a forestry maintained campground that has public access rather than it's a public park. Right. Mm. So anyway, that was the rut. The camp was great. Great group of fellas. Uh, had a lot of fun. Had some, you know, camp dessert competitions. Uh, we had all sorts mm. of things. We gave away some great stuff from Red Shield and Army Tech and um, Steiner uh, from Bread Australia as well. There's, there was lots of bits and pieces we were able to give away. And, yeah, we just that was just a good a good week. What was the winning dessert? Well, actually, you would not believe how creative these guys were. So I thought I was going to be in for all money, like a big camp oven self-sourcing chocolate pudding with custard. Like, how can you go wrong other than I undercooked it so I was eating better? Uh, but that aside, uh, it, was a, it was a winner. Um, the runner-up to that, um, I'm just trying to remember exactly what he did. Oh, it was an Easter-themed bread and butter pudding made with hot cross buns. Oh. Right? Yeah, hot cross bun. And it was bloody awesome. And, uh, you know, Easter egg toppers. You'd think, mm. oh, that's going to win. Nah. Arthur handmade his own short crust pastry, harvested oh, wow. Wow. apples from the apple tree out mm. the back mm. of Ponderosa Park, peeled all of those apples and, and – um, poached them in some sort of, I can't remember, brandy, alcohol, something that he put it in, you know, for a day and a half and made this apple crumble from all 
you know, ingredient. Well, I mean, the pastry obviously wasn't, but to go and harvest his own apples off the apple tree at the back of Ponderosa and poach those, unreal. He wins hands down. Wow. It was, it was, <clears throat> That's a step up was, from the camps a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a step up from the, uh, the rock hard um, uh, damper, you know, bread yeah. cook offs. They were pretty bad, yeah. but. Uh, was yeah, I was, I was super impressed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we filled some with chocolate, but um, yeah. no, this was pretty damn good. But, uh, Better than a pack of yeah. Chicos that I'd be taking. <laughs> well, yeah, no, well, we, we, Cheekies, as they know now, Cheekies, Tim, Cheekies. Tim did sorry. drop off some dark chocolate in a bottle of port, um, which didn't get drunk, so thanks, Tim. It's my place. <laughs> um, but, you know, good on Arthur. That was a, that was a cracking effort. Mm, That's what it's all about. Excellent. Mm. Let's move on. Okay, so uh, for me, it was Red Deer. Uh, started back in late January, so I hunted private block in uh, Brisbane Valley, specifically just outside of Kilcoy. Um, I've been hunting it for some years now. Um, it's a great, small but very productive block. I started, uh, as I said, late January with a visit to the range, Um I took the rifle out. I knew it was shooting okay, but I just thought just a double, triple, quadruple check. I was happy with it. Um, I think the following week, so the first week in February, went up, set up the trail cameras. Uh, the block traditionally holds good numbers of deer, but no stags. So it holds hinds and yearlings and spikers, and the stags come in. My target was going to be the last week of March, so the you know thirtieth, which I think again fell on a Friday this year. So it was going to be the I was going to stay up there overnight and hunt hunt those two days. Generally, in the last few years, we've had a rain event in February sometime, so I was waiting for that to happen. Set up the cameras. Then I'd go up. What do I do with the cameras? I put the four cameras in place, and I I bought. For you know, a pack of um, small 16, uh, 16 uh, gig memory cards from Office Works, and I I leave the cameras and I just swap the cards out, and then I go to Kilcoy and go to the bakery and sit down and have a pie and get my lap, my laptop out and load it down and sit there and have a look. So that was my plan, and I I did that, and so seeing deer, and when I was going up there, I was taking the camera and I was seeing deer, and there's a there's one bit of video I've got where there's like. 10 spikers on a dam and I'm watching them and it's going, it's going to be a good, good run, no, good roar. Yeah, it was a cool video. Yeah. There's a deer. There's a deer. I'm watch them. Yep, sure. Watch them. Yep, it's going to like, shape up nicely. And, and and also, you know, they were obviously spikers, so they're all males, but there was also lots of video of, um, and also like things like wild dogs, um, even the Bit of trail cam footage of a rabbit getting chased by foxes. It was a rabbit too, wasn't a hare. So went up a few times, shaping up pretty well. Things were working away. Um, in between, I went down to the hunt with Gemma and Joey um, in Bathurst, which included a visit to Pennsylvania State Forest, which is the first um, time I've been to Pennsylvania. And it's for me, it was the most southern state forest I've been to, New South Wales, obviously. Uh, we got there in an afternoon. It was stinking hot. It was the hottest weekend um, in three years in New South Wales. Uh, Gemma was feeling it. We went for a drive, found a creek, basically stuck our feet in the creek and sat there until the afternoon ran out. You know, ran out of heat. Went out, 
banged a deer. Um, so I'd been in Pennsylvania for all of four hours, been reading all these people saying there's no deer in there, it's terrible. We came across this, we walk along this track and the track dead ended. It was like a, they, they decided to end that cutting. And it and it was quite a open um, clay space. It rained sometime very recently, and there was just deer prints everywhere, yeah. just everywhere. I went, "Whoa, look at this!" How how big is it? How big is the park? Uh, I, I'm just trying to think. Um, Rough booking numbers. I, don't, I didn't even I didn't even check. Um, what it is? Uh, it's it, it it's not a, it's not like Nundlebeg, No, it's not like that. But what it is is it's different to the forest that we're usually hunting in that you can kind of get like a panorama of a vista of it so you can see all the pine trees. It's like it's it's like a much more working forest than, say, uh, Nundle's a working forest, but it's more feels more much of like a working forest than any other forest I've hunted before. So, you know, you, you come in and you can see pine trees everywhere and you can see them in different heights and you can't, you're going through, you know, sections that are, and like on, we were there on a Sunday and a Monday morning at about three o'clock, you could hear the, the trucks rumbling through mm. as ever, and you could hear them firing up and cutting and earthworks machines, uh, earth machines moving. So it's much more of a working forest than I, mm-hmm. that I've ever hunted. And Seems we're to be, out, um, yeah, on that eight hunters. From what I can tell, yeah, it was. It's, it's, yeah, it's right. Biggish. It, it's it's a nice forest, but it's not, as I said, it's not like Nunnal or anything like that. So we were, um, as I said, afternoon, bang deer right on, on just on last light. So saw two, saw two um, spikers. Try to get um, Gemma on a one of them, but she just said, oh, "I'm not ready. I'm just not ready." So okay, so dropped him, and so wow, hit hit deer. Um, Took it back, you know, got some meat off, took it back to camp, sorted that things out. We decided not to go out the next morning. It was just, again, too hot and the trucks were running around and there was just noise everywhere. And I thought, yeah, it's, 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 we're in someone's work zone now. So we had and came back to Brisbane. So that was in between. So I got back, went back up to the valley, checked on the cameras again, more deer. And actually I think it was after that that I had got the spiker, the big well, spiker. We podcasted that night. Then you go back to Pennsylvania. That's right. That's right. I just I drove twelve hours that day to come back for the podcast. Um and it's Ben Richards, if I think. It was Ben. Yeah, yeah. it was a uh, 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 flaking out there. No disrespect so, to Ben, had nothing to do with the quality no, of your was story. Mate. Literally so drove sure. twelve hours that day, Joe, from <laughs> we're like a hundred question is basically we're a hundred kilometers from Goulburn. So yep. I went from oh, 100 no. kilometres from Goulburn to Brisbane in, in the day. Um, so, so, so before you move away from Pennsylvania, so the eight people, a real working forestry. Yeah. What was the the topography like? Is it a it's, well where we what we what so you uh, you drive in and you you've, you kind of have you, you feel like you're kind of going slightly you, you're increasing elevation. You hit a ridge line and then you drop back down into the forest, and for a period of time you you're running in quite dense um, tree line, and then you get to uh, the section where it just opens up, hmm. and it's just you know you can the right kind of track you can just see everything you know you can see you've got a huge view because you know there's some trees that are only you know five six feet tall if not shorter, 
So there's replant, there's regrowth, there's work going on. So yeah, very different to say like the you know that hinterland that Nundle that hinterland system that Nundle runs in through there. You know where it's mm. very 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 hilly and mm. uh, all gullies. Nothing like Pilliga where it's dead flat. Um, nothing like uh, Severn where you know it, it's um, New England rock country. Different country again. Something I hadn't hunted before. So it's that mm. you know that well, it's around Bathurst, so it's that kind of much more open. Felt much more open. Elevated, of course. It's got some elevation, um, but it felt much more open. You're able to to kind of get an understanding. So we drove around for a while just basically to stay in the air conditioning. And, you know, you, you, you're going up and down ridgelines on roads and you could, you could get some quite good panorama going at times. Hmm. But it was all sectionalised forest, you know, real working forest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so came back. I think when I came back was when we had this, I had the spiker video. So everything was lining up. So um, headed out on very early. And I usually head out of Brisbane at three o'clock in the morning to get up there before first light. Did that on the on the the thirtieth of um, March and just drove all the way up in the rain. Got up there. Oh, that was um, funny. Yeah, <laughs> just rain and rain, rain. Can't rain. spear fishing for deer. Yeah, <laughs> got up there. Stopped raining. Got out. Uh, unfortunately, there was other hunters on the block who shouldn't have been there. Mm. Um, I found their vehicle. I went, I don't know what's going on here. So I went back, um, waited to, a, you know, a suitable hour for the light to come on on the farmhouse before I went there, went and said hello. Um, said, there's someone up there. And he, he went, oh, they shouldn't be. Apologies for that. And he was very apologetic. He said, they shouldn't be. So at about 8 o'clock, I went back out and I still couldn't see him. So I started whistling um, and then I heard them and they're up in the hill. I said, whistled, and I kept whistling to them until they finally figured out that, yes, I could see them up on the hill. Um, and they came down and we had and asked them if they'd politely if they were going and they said politely they were and so that was that. And so I decided to move in to another part of the block and then I got hit by a pretty substantial bit of rainfall. Managed to get the 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 the, the little tarp up in time and get underneath, or get all my gear underneath it anyway. Because you know, like anything, you know, you're carrying three thousand, four thousand dollars worth of electronics. You just got that yeah. all undercover. <laughs> um, afternoon turned into be uh, fantastic. You know, went clear. Heard roaring, not on the block, up in the hills. Um, clear sky, I could hear the roaring, and I heard deer roaring for the next day and a half, but I did not close close in on them. So I went, oh, well, that's that, and went back three or four times after that and didn't see a deer, which was really, really odd. And then on the last, um, I think it might have been the second weekend in May, Picked, saw some, finally saw stags and they, mm. they were together. So the rut was over. Mm. Well, the roar was over. The stags were back together. Um, but they were at distance and they weren't, they, they weren't shootable at the distance they were at. So I managed to record them, but I actually felt, well, at least I saw some. So, um, and after that, I've been, um, as you know, I've been home, homebound for a few weeks now. So the trail cams are up there still. 
and I hope to get up there in a, in a week or two, even if I shoot up just for the day, just to get the the, the uh, memory cards off. But yeah, unfortunately for me, I didn't actually get to. Uh, I shot a shot a deer, but in a different state and a different species that I intended to shoot. So had to be so done. Um, so question mark. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any new gear? This this um, particular yeah, red deer hunt. Yeah, oh, <laughs> of course. Of course. We know we know what was we know what was going on down in Pennsylvania. You had the uh, you had the Tuka down there, the custom built. Mm-hmm. What were you using for the red deer? Oh, Not so that you no, used this, it. So, you know, what did you carry around for the red deer? Hunting? So okay. As you may have noticed, we're all very lucky in that we now have a nice selection of firearms. Expensive. Uh, my traditional, Man, which my actually means my, my my beautiful traditional deer rifle is sits in the safe more than, you know, than it comes sad, out, it? which is the, no. which is the, you know, the, the, the 3006 that I've spent ridiculous amounts of money on over the years. You don't have any to... rounds left, so it's best off <laughs> no, 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 I just <laughs> knew that, yeah, yeah, no, I've got, my, don't worry about that, that's, that's, that's not the case at all. That's what happens um, when yeah, you shoot no. things, you run out of ammo. No, mm-hmm. I'd say, no, I've got I've I've got ammo that I give to you guys, but don't worry about that. <laughs> it's, it's just right. I'm not I'm not I'm not I've got the reserve stock that I keep. You guys get the yeah. get, get the post you get the post mix. I get the reserve stock. So um yeah, what it was what it got? You get the you get the house wine. Um so mm. yeah, there's no mm. problem with that. But I haven't. I just I haven't used it this year. Um, so uh, I use the the custom built uh, the, on the the CDR frame, which is the indie. Um, and I use that. I use that both in New South Wales and Queensland. Um, and um, I've just started to use the BRX, the Minecraft BRX. Some guy called it a Nerf gun, I think. Minecraft's a much nicer name for it. Someone called it a fly salt gun. Yeah, something like that. I, I don't think exactly know what that is, but I understand what Minecraft is because I've got a 10-year-old son, so I know lots about Minecraft. My uh, son Minecraft. is five years old, saw the photo. I said, Minecraft, Dad, Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it, that's but it. Adam's no problem whatsoever. All these people are trying to be clever with themselves and come, yeah, it's Minecraft, it's Minecraft rifle. So the Minecraft rifle, so I actually got a chance to cite that in last week um, and I will probably use that uh, now up on the block as my walk-around gun now that I'm kind of, I'm in the, you know, the rut's over. Um, what do you think? What do you think of it? First impressions. I mean, you had first impressions uh, with my one, but now mm. you've spent more time with it. What do you think? Okay, sure. Um, I wish a scope manufacturer could get the ability to set up a red dot and somehow transfer that onto a scope because in three shots, I'm on the bull at 100. Okay, it, it was just I just love how you can just do that with aim point. So you know, oh. it's literally mm. I put the oh. big target out at a hundred yeah. yeah. and went and looked at it and kind of went, yeah, the red dot is kind of on top of the barrel. Yeah, yep, but it's real low. It's real low. 
one, 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 one. Oh, two inches low. You know, when the little, the little, you know, the little tool that they have where inside a cap it says, mm-hmm. you know, yep. left and up, same arrow. Click, 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 yep. click. There we go. And that's shooting a one MOA red dot at a one, one, one MOA target. So, you know, the, 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 the center ball is an inch, and it's a, it's, so you're obscuring the target and you're still basically hitting very close to center ball, and that's three shots. So yeah, when I we set up, when I we set wish, mine up with the same, it was the same. I wish you could get a meters. scope and do. I wish you could get a scope and do that. I wish yeah. you could just go, and then go. Uh, I, I, I can't. Okay. I can't get a scope to be that easy to just kind of go ding, ding, ding like that. Mm, okay, fair enough. Mm. I understand and, what you're um, saying now. And so then with that, I shot a few more, and I was following the advice of um, uh, Carl um, from Aimpoint. Mm. Um, about kind of set it up like it's a scope, so one eye closed. He said, start like that, get it set up so it's one eye closed, and then go to then go to you know proper two eye open. So after a few more shots off the bench, because I was shooting off the bench, I started to shoot off the bench with two eyes, I had both eyes open. And literally, you know, I had to kind of like go goggle eyes to keep keep it open, you know. Cause, Force yourself to do it. Yeah. Well, it's only been like thirty years, so you know, it's like no, it's more than thirty years. So you know, it's a habit. To, it's quite a habit to break. And um, so goggle eyes, and so and I was sh- and then you know, yep, that's still doing this. It. What I found was the elevation went a little bit up when I shot two mm. eyes open. When I had both eyes open, I had a little bit different on elevation. When I was happy with that, got up, went down to the stand-up area and put a pig out at 50 and a goat out at 100. Standing up, hand on the pole, leaning like I'd be shooting off a tree or something like that. Both eyes open, went goggle eyes um, at 100, um, shot a a three-shot group at 100, a little bit low, and I mean low, low, but like in the eight ring rather in than in the ten ring on a goat target and they were a rough MOA, three shot hmm. MOA. I th- you know, you probably put the calipers on it, was at least two of them were within um, MOA. The third one was probably just a bit out. Um and then I decided to do see if I could do headshots and, you know, I landed a couple of headshots. Um and then so and then Bruce Using the technique that we learned at the range? Yeah, so mm. no, I wasn't doing lifting. I wasn't doing completely offhand. I was kind of, kind of combining it with with being able to rest it on it. So I had my hand on, oh, yeah. on the pole, mm. like I was on a tree. But I was kind of, I was kind of doing that where I, you know, close one eye, focus, and then bring it open, and then just kind of find that point and try and rise into it. Mm. Um, and I was doing headshots, and you know, I was landing them, and yeah. and then I went to the pig at 50 and I put I dropped one but I put two into the 10 almost touching at 50 and that was off hand too that was like that hmm. I went Oof, yeah. that's nice so the aim point um, the aim points the aim points good what did you think of the rifle so that was BRX. the aim point and yeah. what I found with the BRX again because it's you know I've never had a never used a straight it's different bolt before it's very different um, 
what I've found, and I've spoken to someone, a couple of people, and this, in fact, I was talking to um, Glenn from On Target today about it, is that when you start, you kind of slam them. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of, and because it's left handed, you know, it's, you, you kind of, you slam it, you know, boom, boom. But what I found pretty soon was that you could apply a lot of finesse to it. So I was shooting um, standing at a range where you could only have one round, and, you know, you, so single shot only, and you can't have anything in the magazine. So what I was, and so I had the ammo on one of those little platforms they have on the posts in the box, right. and like I could shoot, raise a rifle, hold it with this hand, so like that, and then reach around with my right and just kind of go. Chunk, just slide it down and eject, and it would not kind of, you know, fling it across and hit the guy two benches down, just kind of go clink, fall out, pick up the other one, and just kind of go in and close it in. And pretty soon got a very smooth, controlled action on that slide. So mm-hmm. it, you, the slide seemed, it, it's funny because that slide visually does not look particularly stable. Oh no! Yeah, it's, it's a um, long bigger, way away bulky, from the bridge. Yeah. It looks like it's going to rattle and all, you know, because there's the bridging, which is you know basically the top of the receiver, and then, then there's that disconnect point. It slides out a long way. Um, it all kind of looks wrong. I must admit, when you look at it, you kind of go, "That's a, that's a bit odd," but mechanically, it seems to function very well. It's all they're also quite. I found it was quite a light rifle, and it's quite. Um, <laughs> It's not a it's not a thick rifle, I suppose. If you want, it's it's a it's 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 lean in its design and cut. So, mm. in fact, the other rifle I'm shooting that what, that I, I work with Beretta on the uh, the Indy, as we call it, that's actually a, a wider grip in the stock. It's a, a tactical mm. grip. It's got a what they call a vertical pistol grip, so it's straight up. It's wider. It's fatter. It certainly is very nice to shoot, but. The BRX was quite a quite a lean rifle, and you can see that it's you know it's primarily driven for you know European forest type of shooting, which I think will translate very very well into state forest shooting. Mm. I'm very yep. much looking forward to where you get you know you're walking through scrub and it's within a hundred to a hundred slash two hundred yards, um, and you know there's an there's there's multiple targets and you want to pick something up. Yeah, as we um, found out in the territory when we went up there with it, it was just yeah, so Yeah, I remember, quick. like, well, when you bust oh. those, that pig up, you know, it's, we're all there. That's, yeah. you, <laughs> yeah, hey, there you go. It's, it's all done. Hey, we're all kind of standing it's around looking at what's going on. Hmm. Um, I did shoot at oh, – sorry, this probably shouldn't, but anyway. There was uh, one of the gongs at 200. And um, I literally just went, give it one little bit of this, <laughs> boing, hit the gong. So I went, okay, yeah. sure. So I just gave it a little bit of elevation, <laughs> just went, well, how big is the gong? So I put it at the very top of the gong, hit the bottom of the gong, 200. So that's all right. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. it. That's it. I mean, so, you know, I don't know, just, just to see what it was like. Um, because, you know, the aim point is, a non-magnification optic. So, you know, you do – it is very different 
to if you've sh- if you've shot scope for a long time, it is very different to shoot. But uh, it's mm-hmm. a great combination. So I'm looking forward to using it. Um, I'm really looking forward to carrying it at Pilliga. Oh, that'll be a great. You'll love it. it. You'll you'll absolutely yeah. love it. But I I do have I, I do have another question for you about it. Sure. We hunt quite differently. Um, we do. Right. So uh, I often and you would do the same thing. I hunt by myself mostly. I don't hunt with others around me. Um, you hunt non-chambered. I hunt chambered. Yeah. Um, and and typically uh, with a normal bolt action rifle, I chamber around and then. Um, what do you call it? Dry cock it? No. Pull the trigger and drop the bolt. What's the term for it? So you've got your chamber around. So there's a round. I hold the trigger the and then I drop the bolt so that it's mechanically safe. Oh, okay. So you what do you, you call that? You, you close an inert t- bolt on a live round. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. a live round goes in. Hold the trigger, drop the bolt. It mechanically is. Not, it's not live. It's well, not, the fine it's, it's not, yeah. the what's, the, what's the term for it? There's a term for this. I call it dry-cocked. It's not dry-cocked. Mm. No, it's not anyway, cocked at all. You, you understand exactly what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, not, it's not yeah. cocked. It's decocked is the word I'm looking That's right. for. It's, it's decocked. Right. It's not cocked. But the bolt is down. So the only thing that I need to do at that point is raise the bolt and put it back again. I don't have to pull it backwards. It's just up, down, and it's live. Sure. And I know that that's a safe thing, and there's an easy way to check that it is decocked properly because the safety will not move forwards or backwards. You know, mm. it's it's clearly inactive. You can't. So it's it's a safe rifle. Yes, there's a round in it. I only do that if I'm hunting by myself. Once I'm in an area that um, I'm expecting game to come out quickly. And for me, like years and years ago, I used to run with the bolt um, at that you know two stage bolt on the first stage down, and I didn't think that that was very safe. I didn't like hunting like that because you could easily eject around and you could easily have it the bolt get pushed all the way down, and then you've got a live rifle. It's cocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, running with it decocked like this, I think, for me, hunting by myself is the best way for me to function. Now, you can't do that with the bearings. No. And I say that you and I, we hunt differently. You're completely mm. safe with your – you don't even put around so, in, yeah, I, 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 in the I, chamber. I travel with a with – a, with a, well, not an empty magazine, but I, have, I, I, I hunt with an empty chamber. Right. Um so you hunt with an empty chamber. The, the the BRX is not as quiet as a bolt. No. So does and it change the, thing the way is, you hunt? Well, I, I that this is something I'm going to discover over the next mm. period of time because if you have if I have the BRX in an empty chamber, um, I still have to bring the slide all the way back Push it forward. to pick up the next round. You got to pick the round up. There's some so, noise with it. Which is which is the same function as rotating a bolt because you know, it, this is a, I think this is one of the really this we're getting the really interesting one of the the wonderful interesting things about firearms is they're both bolt action rifles. They're just the bolt works differently. So you know when we say bolt action, what we actually mean is rotating bolt action. You know, mm. it rotates back, mm. but they're all bolt action rifles. So to me, fundamentally, it's the same process. So I will hunt with an empty chamber and I'll bring the slide back rather than rotate. I won't rotate then pull back. It'll come straight back. That's why they call it a straight pull, I suppose, because that's what you're actually doing. It's a straight pull back. And I picked it up. And so what I was doing at the range, and that's what I was talking about, that finesse, I was actually feeling, because when you first get it, you kind of, 
You like it. You want to play with it fast because it's a fast rush. I don't know know if you've ever if you've ever owned a motorbike, but I got a motorbike when I was 16 and the first thing I did was went, oh, what happens if I turn the throttle at full flight? That's it. That's, <laughs> it. That's, that's it. I got it and How speared out underneath go? me. Yeah. Well, no, just simply lifted it and speared out underneath me and slammed into the ground and I went, oh, that's what happens. So you tend to get that thing when you get it, you know, you tend to kind of go, oh, this is cool. But what I found was you don't need to do that and more mm. importantly, it, it doesn't need you to do that. So that's what I was. No, that's what I was no, experimenting. On. I was just seeing what was it like to just kind of go choop choop. Right. So when I was in um, hanging rock during the rut, I came across some deer and I hadn't chambered around at that point. Normally, I wait till I get to an area where I think the habitat I'm likely to see a deer come out. That's about where I chambered around. So I'm not hunting with it live the second I walk out of camp. That's not not how it works, but. I had to chamber around with a deer in the area, and it's just noticeably louder. Oh, yeah. uh, I'd be interested yeah. to do a decibel test, actually, between you know just, just you know, carefully closing a bolt versus versus that slide. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a, um, a an issue, but to me, the straight pull is asking you to rely on its safety if you hunt with a yeah. round. Well, 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 well Europeans don't hunt the way so. You know, they don't hunt the way that I hunt in in terms of the the BRX and the straight pulls are designed primarily for you to be in a standing position, probably elevated standing position, in a pretty controlled environment. Um, Oh, yeah, okay. So, you know, you're in a stand or you're in something and it's driven game, you know, it's going to be more like that. So there's 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 in, inherently a lot more structure in it. Um, it's an interesting conversation we get into because I was talking to someone about this. I've been in four situations, three people, four situations where I've seen one, I've seen accidental discharge, as it were. Oh, you know, I don't mean, yeah. And I don't mean they got excited. I mean, mm. they, you know, a 300 wind mag and... Uh, a 300 wind mag, a 30-30, no, two, um, three, two 300 wind mags, a 308 and a 30-30, and, oh, no, and a, sorry, a 306 went up into the air when they shouldn't have. Um, so <laughs> that's so I, I, that's one, that's why I always am inert. In regards to noise, um, when I first hunted Nundle, I saw this massive... Um, fallow bark and when I went with that brand new ticker and that that 3006 rattled up that polymer mag and into that lovely metal chamber and all that wonderful metal machine metal went clunk 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 you know it just went that buck went gone but yeah, yeah you know and so I spent years figuring out how to and like I was literally putting my fingers inside and catching it and yeah, it's yeah. come up yeah, and, yeah. But I've, I don't know what what it is if I've just got better at it, but I it doesn't seem to be so much of a problem now. Oh, I, think, I, think I think as a hunter you get you get better at locating game before they see you. That's right. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got more of an opportunity to, you know, get it under yeah. your jacket or do something to, yeah. you know, to make it super quiet while you've got the time. John, how do you – what action state are you in when you're in that habitat? I know this is a – it's a touchy subject for no, someone, I get it, but... 
Yeah, I'm usually I don't walk around with around in the chamber. Um, when I spot game and moving into the game, I will put around up, um, but I don't have the bolt cocked. I have the bolt fully open. Well, mm. I have it fully up. I don't have it fully down until I get close and ready to take a shot, and then I will cock it. But I only mm. do that when I get close into game if I'm in a situation. If the, if the opportunity doesn't arise, then I will take the round out of the chamber, close the bolt, so I don't have a round in the chamber. Mm. So that's what I do. I don't have the bolt closed with a round in the chamber ever unless I'm going to take a shot. Yeah, I, I, I don't even get that far. I, 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 I generally cock when I'm, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm at the animals there. Yeah, well, that's, that's what, what I'll do. I'll have it around in the chamber, but not cocked. No, I mean, that's that's when I start process. Yeah. I go, okay, here's a deer. Yeah. Boom. I like here's, a, yeah. here's a go or whatever it is. But, mm. you know, and I think, you you know, you, you, the valid point there is, and as you're right, is that, and I know this from my from my own, you know, thinking about my own hunting, I'm now more times I'm seeing the game before it's seeing me. So mm. I'm, you know, you know, in terms of progression as a hunter, I'm now there's less time. It's oh, you know, bump it type mm. thing, and so I just go there. It is there. Get ready, set up, and you know, you just get. I think you just over with time and practice and you know exposure, you, you can you control that situation, mm. and you're you're okay. I mean, when I shot last time I was in the Pilliga with Simon, or we. John was there as well, mm. but that day um, or that week, we you know the first few days was hard work because it was wet, mm. it rained, and so the animals were just wherever you know they're scattered. You know they're, they're, how big's a pillager? You know, and every 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 five meters that had a bit of sand had a puddle in it that was holding water, so there was just water everywhere, mm. and so as it dried out, the game started to appear. And one day we were going up a dry creek bed, and I shot seven goats that that day. And you know, just saw the first one. There it is, locked. Bang, 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 bang. Went through. Change, had a mag change halfway, or well, three quarters of the way through. Stuff like that. But you know, it was just that once I was quite able to get in position, get ready to shoot, and cock and and, or, and load and shoot without being seen by the animals. Or start, uh, the actual one of the gates was was looking at me, but I didn't startle it. And that's we're kind of digressing a little bit. But one of the things about that that I've noticed that I that I tell people that I hunt with, when especially as new hunters, is don't move your head and don't wave your hands because that's two things that animals don't do. So you'll be with someone and they'll see something, you'll see them, they'll, they'll be going like this, they'll be pointing there and they'll be pointing, and they'll be pointing with their hands and you just go, mm. everything you're doing an animal never does. You know, and when, when a predator locks on a target, the last thing it does is it moves its head. Its head stops. The predator might keep moving, the head stops. That's... So this your head going back, what's going on, what's going on? That's one thing that, you know, that I think gives people away. The other thing is they start moving their hands up in the air, you know, like mm. this and stuff like that. And I think so it's got a lot more to do with, you know, how you approach the hunting and in terms of then that, that sound. Um, what Fred Bear was once said, you know, about camo, and he said, you know, I've, I've hunted, I hunt, I hunt, I hunt, I hunt a red plaid shirt. <laughs> 
So, yeah. Hmm, well, the BRX, the BRX, I think um, it, it's, it, it's why I asked you the question about, um, you know, how, how you're using it because the the style of hunting that, that I've, you know, I, I've adopted over the last five or six years, I've had to change with the BRX because mm. Um, mm. whilst I'm happy to decock a rifle so it's mechanically safe, and it's, in my opinion, it's quieter to then get that round into an, you know, into an action yeah, state. The, um, the the BRX can't do that, yeah. and I'm not prepared yeah, to rely on the safety. No, as an no. as an only as an only stop, you know. Uh, and I know they do a lot of that, you know, in other in other countries, and I'm sure there's mm. plenty of hunters that rely well, on safety. It does. So it has just, a very big. It has a very right. you know, that safety is designed to use. It's a very big safety. It's a good safety. It's yeah, a good, well, I really it's, enjoyed it's, using the safety. It's designed but... to be used. You know, it's not like yeah. a, oh, we put it's a safety on the truss. No, it's it's a singular card. The, the F and the S, you know, engraving <laughs> on it. Yeah. yeah so, um, and when we were hunting in in the in the territory, you know, it was always um, unloaded while we were walking through there. But it's mm. quick enough on game like buffalo and pigs. Um, you know, deer are a bit flightier. Oh no, it's a, it's a big change. I really love the rifle. Mm. I've, I've had a lot of fun mm. with it, um, but it is a fundamental change for me. The way I hunt with it, um, yeah. maybe not quite for you, but anyway, that's cool. No, just want to cover I'm, that. I'm really keen, as I said, to use it. I won't be taking it to the Pilliger with me this time because. Um, I don't know, so I won't be taking to Nundle, sorry, in the next in, in four weeks when I'm down there. But after that, I will take it up the Brisbane Valley with me, and I'll and I, I'm, I'd like to take it to Savannah. And we're talking about doing a short backpack yeah. hunt in Savannah. I'd like to get take in. it to Savannah, and I'd like to take it to uh, Pilliga. Mm. Yeah, good. So, as the video said, skunked on your red deer. <laughs> Sadly, um, saw a lot, got real picky oh. real early, didn't leave any, you know, didn't take any unnecessarily, but didn't catch up with the big fellas. No, and well, I just dropped a, um, a little two-minute video, which is basically a selection of all the trail cam images joined together. So, yeah, you can see that there's deer there. And that doesn't even, that's not all of them. That didn't include the the actual video that I've got of, of deer that were on the block as well, so... Um, mm. Yeah, so that was it. It was a bust for me um, in Brisbane Valley, but as I said I managed to get a deer down in Pennsylvania, which was a, a completely un unexpected bonus. Mm. Never mind, eh? John, yeah. next year. Well, for me, um, I was on the Reds this year. It almost didn't happen uh, just because of some landowner and some insurance challenges, but... Um, I was therefore planning on coming down to, to deer camp down in Nundle, although there weren't any places, so that would have been a challenge. Um, but it ended up happening. Um, I ended up uh, getting a spot on the red deer up here in the Brisbane Valley uh, on a new property, a property I'd never been to before, uh, which is always a challenge. Um, I was in week two, so that was the Easter week. So I think, Mark, that's the week generally that you would go, end of April, first week of April. Um and yeah, went up to this property, big property, big, steep, big country, um, very, very steep, um, you know, steep gullies, you know, prime red deer country up there. Um, and yeah, I managed to to get the camper stuck. Um, I tried to, <laughs> Did you really? I was up at the top. Yeah, well. Yeah, no, I haven't <laughs> mentioned that before. No. Well, it wasn't stuck. I guess it was. Uh... <laughs> you drive a Triton? <laughs> 
No, I don't drive. You do, patrol, I'd love a patrol. Oh. But um, no, I said uh, a Triton. Do you drive oh, a, Triton? a Triton? I thought you said a patrol. Yes, I drive a Triton. Um, but hey, there a, not even a patrol would have got up that hill, mate. So um, rubbish. No, it was. I um, so where I was, I was in this top block, um, and I had the whole block to myself. Um, but they had a top camp, and I brought the camper with me because I wanted to be comfortable, and I didn't think I'd be going up this up all the way up over the up over the range. Um, and I was told, oh, "You'll get up; it's fine." I went up there the other day with a with a big camp with a big trailer with a foil drive on it. You'll be fine. And I got about a third of the way up, and I couldn't get up anymore. Um, I got stuck. I had to reverse down this um, this narrow little track. The side of the camp is all scratched up, which I got in trouble for. But anyway, that's why we. Uh, um, but anyway, I managed to turn around, uh, got it back down, ended up camping down by the creek, which was actually quite nice because um, there was a big hillside either well, on on either side of me. I was I was in the, the, the center of the gully, and I had hills on either side, and I had the uh, the burris thermal. And all night long, the stags were roaring, and I could I was getting up at two three o'clock in the morning, taking the burris thermal. And I was watching the stags on the side of the hill actually fighting and roaring through the thermal, and you could see them clear, clear as day. Really, it was uh, it was pretty awesome. So, um, but it meant I had to drive up every day to the top of the that the, the range mm. to get into my block, um, which added an extra half an hour, forty minutes onto my my journey time. But it actually worked out well for me because if I had not done that, I wouldn't have hunted um, an area of that block because I would have been camped up at the top. Um, and in that block, I actually shot my stag, which you can see behind me in the middle. Where is it there? Right. Um, which is a double yep. five, um, which is what I wanted. So the last couple of years, I've shot double fours. Um, I've always wanted – so this year, I said to myself, I wanted something that had to have at least five points on one side or I wouldn't shoot it no matter how big he was. Um, I didn't see many big deer. Um, I hunted this block really, really hard. It's some big country up there, some very, very steep gullies, lots of lantana, um, some big steep hills. There was plenty deer roaring. Um, I, you know, would go up at first light. I'd have a listen, see where the stags were roaring, see what the wind was doing, um, and then try and, you know, make a decision which one I was going to go after. I think on the first morning, I saw a very, very young double four, um, but then all the other stags were roaring on the other side of the wire, so something Mark would uh, relate to. Um, however, on this on this block, um, the farmer next door decided to fence off 3,000 acres with uh, two-meter-high high fencing um, and somehow managed to get all the big deer on his side um, because the stags were just going off and they were huge. I saw double sixes. And just nice. along the fence, along the fence line was just carnage, where the, the stags were trying to um, trying to come across into my block, but were hitting the fence line and just cruising up and down. And they were just bashing the trees; they were just smashing everything to shit. So it shows that you know these deer have been there long enough that they've got a migration path um, mm. that they actually travel through. You know these these different areas from property to property, and you put a fence in the way that they can't go over or go under. And it, it it upsets them. You can see it because the carnage along that fence line was crazy. Um, it really was. Um, so I think, I mean, I don't know if they did it intentionally. You know, they managed to get all the good stags on their side, but um, I didn't see much on, on my side of the wire. Just some really, really young ones. Uh, I saw a very young, I think he was a double five on the 
um, I think the third or the fourth day. Um, but he, he was, he was actually tucked up in the lantana. I was coming up, um, through the gully and I just bust him and, and he ran out, but there's no way I would have seen him and I couldn't get a shot. He was holding four or five Hans. Otherwise everything was really young, just, just youngsters. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw one big stag, um, right on top of this, um, on the opposite side of this gully, or so this gully of this valley, um, and there was multiple gullies that I had to go through to get him. And he was a big boy. When you can see him from you know three, four k's away, and you can see the thickness in his beams, and that you know he's a mm. big stag. And I thought, fuck it, I'll have a go at, at this one. And I had to go through some really, really steep gullies, lots of lantana. I got cut up. I slipped and fell on my ass. And um, yeah, man, I was hot and I was thirsty and. I got to the bottom of the hill and he was still roaring up at the top and I thought, here we go, it's on. Um, but I had to go up the steep side because if I'd gone the other way, he would have winded me. Um, I got halfway up that hill and all of a sudden I felt the wind blow up my ass and he went quiet and that was it. Um, got up to the top and, yeah, I could see where he was smashing the trees and, you know, he had his rub and, and all that sort of thing, but he was gone, he was long gone. By that point, I'd run out of water. And I probably had about four k's. And you had to a crack up. To, <laughs> I had about four k's to get to the uh, back to the Ute. Um, and yeah, that was one of the highest sessions I've had. I think I did about six or seven k's that morning. I think I got back to the Ute at about one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, luckily, I had a bottle of water sitting in the in the esky in the back of the Ute, and I think I drank most of it. Went back down to camp and had some water and then went back out that afternoon for a leisurely walk and I was just buggered by that point. Um, but I think it was the next morning I decided that I was going to go up halfway up the hill. Pause. Sorry. Pause on next morning. Sorry, I just realised I didn't plug my laptop in. <laughs> didn't plug your laptop in. I didn't plug it into power. Sorry, Jono, that's just another edit point for you. Oh, that's all good. Sorry about that. Cool. So I think it was my last morning. Um, I decided that I was only going to go about halfway up the hill and stop, and I was going to concentrate on a different gully system and... Um, which is right at the sort of at the base of the hill, but the wind in the morning had always been blowing um, from it would have been from east to west. Um, so I thought, well, if I go up halfway up that hill um, and I'll see what's going on, um, and if they're roaring, I might drop down in there. I got up halfway up the hill, parked the ute, and just as I thought, on the left hand side there was a couple stags roaring. Uh, I dropped in, tried to find the one but he was a few gullies over and the, the gullies were just so thick with lantana. There's no way I could have got through them. Um, and then I heard another stag roaring and I let out a couple of roars and he answered me back and I thought, right, well, let's go down and, and see if we can find him. And interestingly, going back to the conversation we had with Errol Mason, he was actually tucked up in this little corner hidden mm. out of that wind in his zone of silence. In his and zone of silence. The moment that Errol <laughs> Mason started talking, started talking about that, I thought that's exactly where that stag was sitting. Yeah. He was, like, the wind was blowing from east to west and the gully sort of curved around and he was tucked up right in that corner. Um, but anyway, I got about halfway, halfway down to him and all of a sudden he went dead quiet, wasn't roaring, wasn't doing anything. Mm. I did out a couple of roars, sat there for 10, 15 minutes, nothing. 
And I thought, well, that's it. He's, you know, he's bedded up. He's not doing anything. Um, I'm going to sit here and have something to eat. And then I'll head back, pack up camp and head home because there was some rain coming in. And I knew if I didn't get out, I wouldn't get the camper out because I had to go up some, um, some big gullies and hills to get out. So I thought this is my last chance. So I sat there feeling sorry for myself, um, having something to eat. And all of a sudden he started, the stag started roaring his head off, just going absolutely nuts. Uh, and I thought, it's on, let's go. So I basically legged it down the hill, um, sort of got probably two, 300 meters from where I could hear, well, where I thought he was. And I saw movement, looked through the barnos, and I just saw this big, thick, thick stag, um, just saw these thick beams. And I thought, he's an old boy. He's an absolute shooter. Um, and he was still roaring his head off, just not happy. Um, and I got about another hundred meters and all of a sudden I just saw this stag coming straight for me. Um, wasn't the stag that I could hear cause he was still roaring away. Uh, and there was this double five. So what I think mm. had happened was he was tucked in, must've been holding some hands and this double five had come in and he got put in his place and got kicked out. Um, and was now heading up sort of the, the that gully to get out of there um, where I happened to see him. So I sort of checked him out. He actually saw me. Um, we sort of saw each other at the same same time and I just didn't move. And as you said, Mike, you don't move your head, you don't move your arms. I didn't do any of that. I just stood there probably for one to two minutes. He just stared at me and I stared at him, didn't make a movement. And all of a sudden he would, he looked around to his side and as he did that, that's when I moved and I dropped down um, and then he stopped and stared back where I was and obviously I wasn't there but I well I wasn't this object standing there that he saw before that he couldn't make out um and by this point I'd had to put around in the chamber because I, I didn't have around in the chamber at that point I managed to load up I had my shooting sticks I had my rifle actually on the sticks um and I was trying to make sure that he was a, a shooter um which I quickly decided that he was um he wasn't spooked. He wasn't upset because he hadn't seen me moving around. He didn't know what I was. Um, he actually sort of walked to the right um, and then stopped and stood broadside and I shot him and he dropped. Um, and that was it. I got my stag. Um, mm. And I got down there and he was a double five and I was very happy because it's exactly mm. what I wanted. Um, then came the hard job as I had to carry him out. So he was sort of at the bottom of the first gully um, luckily, the track was only maybe four or five hundred meters away, but it was straight up. Um, so I got down, took some photos. Um, I took the back legs, took the back straps, um, took the head, um, took one of the shoulders. The other shoulder was a bit messed up. Um, carried out one leg at a time. Um, well, each of the back legs out. Took them up to the road. Dropped everything else out of my pack. Dropped the rifle. Um, I actually went up and got the ute came back down with the ute and then I went back and got the rest of the meat and the head obviously brought it last and then I brought them up to the truck and that was it I got, got my stag so successful I was yeah. I was pretty happy because I wanted double five or bigger um it was tough hunting I put in some huge days it was pretty warm um I was a bit annoyed because obviously I tried to get the camper up to the top to the top camp and didn't I didn't take any fire camp kit with me otherwise I probably would have fly camped up at the top just to save myself those 40 minutes and obviously be in the thick of it so that's um something I'll probably do next year if I'm in the same location is is I'll I'll probably camp down at the creek because it was really nice and you had stags roaring all around you but I'll mm. take some fly camp here and you know one or two days camp up at the top but it the one thing I learned on this trip is that when you're driving in and out 
you're actually going to miss a lot of country, a lot of good country. You're not going to hear Stags roaring. You're not going to mm. hear anything because that's a lot of. Yeah, yeah, I reckon he was in there roaring every morning, and I didn't hear it because I was too busy focused on driving up the hill, listening to the you know the sound of the engine, and the tires screaming on the on the um, on the dirt yep. track. So it just shows you that you've got to really you know have a look at all of the country that you've got. Don't just drive up and drive past it all because there's there's deer everywhere. A hundred percent agree. Um, you know, unfortunately, for instance, these people who overstayed on the block. They drove in, and literally, the you know the the front front bumper of their car was within you know reaching distance of probably the best rub on the block. Mm. <laughs> they drove up to the block, the rub. I had, the, I had exactly and so the, the same thing. So the would have just seen that happening, and were just gone, and you know just gone up the hill. And I said, when I saw the vet, so I, I was actually looking down that way, thinking. There's a big rub just around there. Just you know, just take it easy. And I went, mm. oh, what's that? I can see white down there. And literally, they they parked up against it like that. And you went, mm. yeah. Well, I was in my spot in uh, in Hanging Rock, and normally I go to this area and I just like to sit the first day and just sort of not the first day, but the first session, just to suss out what's going on and get a feel for it again. And I knew that just around the corner and up and over the rise, I'd already scouted out. Um, where a stag had bedded in, yep. found the rubs, I'd found the bed, um, and I knew it was around the corner. And I was, it was just sort of just before last light, and I'm, I'm sitting there minding my own business, just watching to see what comes out on the clearings. And these three hunters in their little two wheel drive car and up and over the corner and parked <laughs> right outside the front of his house, right, right next to it. And I was like, far out, man. So that's destroyed this little, little hunt mm. for me. So I, you know, dropped my lip and started stomping back to the castle. Stop this! Turned around, <laughs> wandered back up after. Them. <laughs> they were all getting ready by the car. I'm like, "Oi, how you going? Did you know there's a rub right there? Like you've just gone past all of this fantastic habitat um, mm. because you wanted to not have to walk as far and man, you yeah. missed out on so much." But yeah. anyway, we we can all be guilty of that from time to time. Mm. Mm. Um, Johnny, you said you use shooting sticks. What sort of sticks do you use? So I've got the Primos uh, tripod that I use. Um, I like it because I've got the Spartan adapter that I set on the top for the rifle, Um, and I've got the Barno adapter for that as well, so I can put my Barnos on and glass with it. Um, They're a bit heavy. They're a bit cumbersome, but in steep country, I like to use them as support as well. Um, And I've actually shot more deer off those sticks than I have off a tree or anything like that. I just find them really comfortable and stable. Um, Mm. The Spartan adapter, I think it's the Davros head that they call it. the Davros head. That's a superb piece of kit. I know I've got the the first generation, the new one's even better. Um, But I've got the the Spartan adapter on my rifles because I've got the bar pod. I've actually never shot off the bar pod because I've just used the sticks. So I think this is the second red stag that I've shot off the sticks. I've shot a pig. uh, I've shot goats. I've shot a lot of game with those sticks. I just find them really, really good. It's just forward stability. It doesn't have rear. It's not like no, it's just a, tri- it's a tripod. It's just back. front. No, no, no it's, it's just a tripod. Yeah, those four-legged things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. It's not big and cumbersome. But I use it as I put my binders on for glassing. I use it for like you know, um, I guess what you know, mountain when you climb, mountain climbing, you've got the supports. I use that as 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 you know for a bit of support and slipping the rocks mm. and things like that. I think they're great. Um, as I said, they're not the heavy. They're, they're not the lightest. They're pretty heavy, but um, I wouldn't 
I probably wouldn't go without them now. So we'll see them this weekend. Absolutely, they're already there. Mm, interested to have a look. I've mm. never used them. I've um, I've never felt overly stable uh, with a front rest like that. Okay, I find it <clears> super throat> steady. Throat> yeah, super steady. Uh, I've got a monopod and a bipod. That's not sitting in the, you know, in 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 the in the in the shed. They're very good quality. They they have been <laughs> haven't used too much. I just can't get my head around them. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't feel. I just, stable. Get, I just cannot get my head around them. I just when I get on them, I just feel really really awkward. Mm. Um, I find I felt the awkward. Um, I used them in England because mm. you have to use them. Uh, yeah. You know, I've just felt awkward. I've just yeah. I just there's certain things like you know you go through these cycles. I I think I've owned just about every type of sling there is, and I use the sling now, which is me grabbing the rifle by the scope and carrying it by the scope. Yeah, I don't use a sling anymore. <laughs> and the mm. only sling I have is when I'm. When I'm hauling and I just have a shoulder sling and I made that little hook that goes in my pack and it just stays there. And that's yeah. it. I, that's the only – I use that. That's for when it's on my, on my shoulder, if I'm moving, you know, without. But if I'm if I'm carrying the rifle, I'm, actually, I'm just – I'm literally holding it, man. Yeah. yeah. My, the gear that I use is all about those one percenters. Mm. You know, it's – you know, uh, I've gone to the um, – the Spartan type bipod on the front because I don't want a bipod on the front of my rifle all the time. Mm. I want to be able to stick it on there if the opportunity arises that I need it. The last hunt that I had, um, it was uh, would have been really helpful, but I didn't have the adapter for the new uh, Lupo. Um, I just hadn't had time to pick one up. Now I've got that. I'll be using it this weekend, but and it'll be handy because we've got a lot more open country. Mm. Um but I'd rather tuck that away, you know, easy access, but put it on when you need it. And usually when yeah. you need a bipod, you've yeah. got the time mm. to set yourself up. So mm. like, just get it off as me. Mm. Um, I've been through a whole bunch of different slings. I really enjoyed the safari sling for a while. Um, I used that up the territory. It was mm. pretty good. But I've I've lost more deer than I can count with that thing getting caught up on my bino rig. Right? Yeah. It's, I think oh, it's yeah. great, you know, it's in front of you. And, and others have not had this problem, but I certainly had. Um, you know, you, you go to lift up and it catches underneath the bino rig and all of a sudden you're in a mess and you just miss the animal. So those one percenters to me, if it's off, <laughs> I missed that deer, it's gone, I, I don't want to use it anymore. Um, good product, though, uh, if you can make it, it work for thing. you. Yeah. Uh, not mm-hmm. everyone uses a bino rig. Um, the one that I was using at the time was quite a big bino rig. Ditched that now, and I'm, I'm using a much smaller one, so I could probably have another crack at it. But yeah. um, it is nice. It is a very comfortable sling to use. Um, we've got a set of stable sticks coming this weekend. Um, they've sent us a set to have a look at. So it'd be interesting to compare what you're using versus mm. these. I know these are the, yep. you know, There's I've never used them. Ones, yeah. They I've look very them. stable once they're set oh, up. Yeah, I'd be interested how many knots I can tangle myself up in trying to get them out of I haven't used them yet, so I'd be hmm. quite keen to try it out. But it could be the difference between me winning the slam and you winning the slam, John. I will see how it goes. <laughs> what I found, uh, uh, what I've always struggled with sticks of any kind is that I can make them stable, but I can't make, I can't seem to get them when they're in the position that I want to be standing in. Mm. So mm. in every situation, I'm kind of 
modifying my shooting to suit the stick rather than the other way around. I've mm. sat, happened in England. It was really bad in England. The guy <laughs> go to he was like five foot nine. So you know, I was like. You want to find everything to suit your left-handedness, though. So that's, that's right. just a well, normal. That's it. So that's it. So maybe that's what it is. Nothing really is designed for me. So you just kind of get used to doing other things, and so uh, it doesn't seem to work as well. That's well, that's sure. why I like the the trigger sticks that I've got because you just basically pull the trigger and the height. Yeah, goes up and I've down. got, I've got. I use those. You know, I, I've got yeah, a. That's I've right. Got a, Primus I've got trigger sticks. A, a, bi, yeah. a trigger stick bipod system yeah. at home. Yeah, I've, I've got, got a set of those hanging in the shed. Um, I could potentially use them again, but when I went to New Zealand. Right, mm. the the um the moisture that just froze. sort of got in around mm. the seals froze solid, and they became like a bicycle pump, mm. like because when you when you collapse them, the air's got to escape. Yeah, but they froze solid, so they couldn't. So I had mm. these big tall things that I, I couldn't bloody pull the trigger, and nothing would happen. I thought they were. I don't know. I said, "What the hell's going on with these things?" In the afternoon, they were sweet. In the morning, no good. It's frozen. So, what the That's hell? It was frozen. Yeah, so they didn't work out. So they're over there in the shed. They'll, I might pull them out another day. But um, the, the other the other problem we've got, of course, is carrying a rifle, carrying the sticks, trying to carry a camera. Camera. Yeah, yeah. It's too well, much stuff. Well, the other thing as well. So with the um, with the Davros, you can actually just get a camera adapter for it, um, and it just clicks on top. Or the with the trigger sticks, the top just comes off, and you can actually get put a camera here. And you can actually just put that on top of the Primos, and then you just push a button, take that off, and you can actually interchange different, yeah. different heads. Yeah, I've um, got a, um, which is what I've got. I've got a uh, a rifle mount that goes straight on top of my camera tripod. Button. Mm. Well, this you goes know, on top I of want my the camera. Sticks, so, well, just, I, I, yeah, I, I, I've got the same, but I found that I'd rather have the camera on the tripod, set it up, open up wide. And then I'll, I'll I'll figure out the rest. I'll, I'll figure out myself mm. around it. You know, it, it's mm. stable. Because I, a couple of years ago, I was in had a perfect um, shot on a red. Had the camera set up, and what what I realised afterwards that as I had it set up, and I, I I bumped the camera, so I just bumped it off screen and didn't see anything. And, Happens, uh, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Any... I'd rather have the camera stable. That's why I've got that. You know, high quality uh, tripod, have it stable, and then I'll, figure, I'll work my way around it. Mm. Yeah, mm. coerce the deer into the frame. That's the way to go. Any new gear this year, Jono? Uh, not for my core kit, not everything that I was hunting with. The only new piece of kit that I had with me that I spoke about earlier was the Burris Thermal. Um, I mm. tried to use it during the day, but it was really hot and was really rocky country, and it just absorbed a lot of the heat. Um, but for nighttime, sort of once it cooled down a little bit in early morning, uh, I used it for, obviously, as I said, looking at those stags in the middle of the night when they were roaring, just get, you know, having a bit of fun and, and watching him fight with uh, the younger ones coming in. Um, but I was using it when I was getting up into the top of the block um, and I was sort of setting off from the car. I'd, I'd, I'd park at the bottom of this gully and I'd have to walk up to the top of the hill. As I come over the top, I was glassing in front of me just to make sure that there was no deer or cows. There's a lot of cattle on this property. Um, so I was looking for, for the cattle, looking for, for any deer um, to make sure that I wasn't going to bump them. So I use the thermal quite a bit, actually. Um, mm. But otherwise, my core, core pieces of kit, nothing nothing new this year. I like, yeah, I was using my Tika, love my Tika. Um, and it's yeah, really well yet again. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I enjoyed the, using the thermals in hunt camp. 
we, had, mm. we were lucky enough to get four of them from the guys at Infiray um, and, and send them out into the field for people to test and play with. Completely different experience to what I expected. Mm. Um, I've always sort of looked at thermals as something you use at night time. Um, you know, I figured once the sun was up, there'd be too much wash and you wouldn't be able to see anything. But to be honest with you, I could use that thermal all day. Um, the well, tree trunks there, would though. warm up. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Yeah, time and place, time and place for sure. Um, the trees would start to warm up. You could change the colour patterns, get it out. Mm. But, yeah, really what I was seeing was what wasn't there, not what was yeah. there. Um, you know, uh, I was able – I mean, at, at 50 metres, you're, you're watching little sparrows bounce around on trees. Mm, yeah. You can see them, you know, the droppings as they fell from the tree to the ground. So it was pretty fun to use them. Um, mm. And I did find that I, I, I probably used my binos less because I used the thermal a lot more. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't end up taking a deer because of the thermals. No, I didn't. Um, but I covered more ground because I was able to clear it. See, I'm so. using it in the opposite way. I actually am using it to see what's in front of me as I kick off for first mm, light. That's what I did. Yeah. So I kind of go, you know, like, oh, there's roos there. Okay, don't bump them. You know, they're there. You say, I'm actually using it like intelligence gathering. Okay. I mean, and most of the times I'm not seeing game. I'm seeing the things that I want to see, like it's cattle bedded yeah, over we'll there. Avoid there's that. ruse we'll on there. That's yeah. it. I'm that's exactly that's how it. I okay. Used to. Yeah. So, okay, okay. Once I've seen, oh, there's the pigs there, but I watched them leave. But, you know, most of the time I'm actually using it to pick a path so I can get up into the tree line and get ready for, you know, first light to start hunting. So I'm using it. As much more of a you know like a, a navigation device in that way, uh, yeah. but certainly after a couple of hours in the morning up there in Brisbane Valley, even with the Gen Two Burris, which is remarkable improvement on the Gen One, mm. you do just get heat blue, you know. Yeah. Though I want, I'm, I'm keen for you to get the Burris um, rifle mount set up. Because hmm. there's a laneway up there, and I don't mean laneways in like where you go drink craft, craft beer. I mean there's a laneway in the, no. in the in, that's a, a gully, and I'll, I'm we're going to go up there at night and just sit on that gully and see what comes through that gully. I want to sit on that gully with thermals, uh, one on the rifle and one on the monocular, and just say okay, because and especially in winter too, it'll be I mean, it'll be cold up there, but we'll just. There's a gully. Yeah, that'll be I fun. I want to see that gully. That's right. Jono's got a 12 volt electric blanket. He'll be fine. Well, He'll be no, could get, could get cut out there, fellas. You better bring a wheelbarrow there <laughs> to put it in so you can wheel yeah, it out. Take there. the battery up there. That's right. Yeah, well, I can't, we I can't hunt. I can't. I couldn't hunt the same way that you do. I can't use the thermal to clear the ground and see what's going on because you're literally not allowed to take it out of your yeah, well, that's you know, right, holder yeah. until it is. First light, and mm -hmm. you know, at that point in time, you well, can see what's going yeah. on. Again, that's how yeah. I was using so, it. So, yeah, and, um, oh, very good. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm loving the. We're speaking at chess rigs. I'm, I'm really enjoying using those. Um, the new Steiner LRFs. Mm. You know, the the the, the, the laser rangefinder in the binos. Um, the heavy. Um, what I found is they are just the same weight as the older binos with a range, with a separate range finder. Yeah. Okay. So just yes, they are heavy, yeah. but when you put them on the scales with the bino and the range finder, they're exactly the same, hmm. and they're only 
bigger is in terms of like a section where the brains is, you know, for the rangefinder. So they're not. So I um I had to go for a bigger chest rig, as in the, the pouch itself, just to accommodate them. Um, but that wasn't a problem. And then, yeah, they're not that much bigger. And uh, so that new chest rig doesn't have the separate pouch on it for the um for the rangefinder. And I'm thinking in that little separate pouch, I might drop the Zolio in there. Yeah. Mm. Bad idea. It's mm. a bad idea at all. Because it's about the same size. Mm. Good. Mm. Well, that might just about cover it. I, I reckon so. Done so. some gear, shot some deer, didn't shoot some deer, shot some shot deer. Some deer. <laughs> shot some deer. <laughs> Not bad. We'll have a good crack at it this weekend. We might even Absolutely. donate some to your freezer, Mark, because I'm... Uh, uh, well, uh, next door on two... Do Two doors down said he'll he'll hit will make jerky for me. Oh, so yes, hmm? I'll make some jerky on Sunday. We can't basically can't legally not allowed to in Queensland. Well, can't okay. give it to you. Not allowed. If you get, okay, Stand. well, if you need me to throw it away for you, I'll come and th I'll throw it away for you. Yeah, I was just hmm. saying to Johnny today. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. we've done that while hunting this year. I've got two chest freezers full. I can jump up and down mm -hmm. on those, and I can't get another shank in. So. Um, yeah, and I've got sheep to hang yeah. up. So and I've got an empty freezer, so I'm hoping tough. to film on this weekend. It's tough. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Cool. Good chat. Thanks, gents. Have a good night. Catch up. See ya. See ya.